0: Recorded live.
1: Scuba Obsessed is weekly podcast we talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 141 is recorded live December 13th, 2012. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, and we're going to be talking about scuba, some other things. Normally I would tease the articles, but uh, let's since it's been so long and you feel like I, I, I don't know anybody anymore, we'll welcome the co-host for this week. We have Mac the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac?
0: I'm glad to be back here. It's been quite a few weekends, actually weeks, since we've been all together here.
1: It has been. It's, it, it, it seems like forever. And uh, we also have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? I am just wonderful. Excellent. And, of course, the most important thing is, has everybody been getting some diving in?
2: I am just wonderful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have been doing some nice looking around to see where I'll be going, hopefully, this weekend. And uh, Pawpaw Lake is very clear and getting pretty chilly out there.
1: Yeah. We'll have some uh, reports next week. And since you were on the show last, we still have where uh, you, you didn't technically dive, but you were in the water, so all our listeners were going to want to hear about your experience there. And then I did get a dive in this weekend, and it was actually pretty decent, so we'll be able to talk about that as well. Lucky guys. I I feel very lucky, and I needed it. <laughs> that was one of those things, you don't realize how I, 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 I love diving, and every time you get in, it reminds you why. It was It's just so relaxing to get in the water. So we'll work our way through the news. As always, if you're in the chat room, we're going to give you a sneak peek of what we got covered. And Hopefully my computer's going to last. If for some reason we disconnect, we will be back. The first one up is going to be a follow-up from a few weeks ago. It says, straight to the point, proposed scuba spearfishing draws a crowd at a hearing. And if you remember, we had that West Hawaii had a proposal to have a ban scuba spearfishing, and it uh, sparked some debate and a public hearing on Kona. They said that the fishing technique, which is already banned in Australia, which I wasn't aware that spearfishing had been banned. They're saying it would be outlawed in, in area waters by the West Hawaii Regional Fishing Management Area rule part of the department of land and natural resources proposed change in amendments package. Uh, Leonard Torser, who said overall he was against the package asked that the practice not be banned entirely. He suggested creating areas for scuba fierce spear fishing would be allowed similar to what has happened with aquarium collecting or a no sale list for certain species. Others suggested similar ideas like prohibiting spear fishing at night. Uh Tourser said, don't ban it and stop local police from feeding their families. Others, however, said the ban was needed because the practice is not a sport. It's slaughter, especially at night when some species are asleep. The ban would cover a 1,500-foot section commonly known as Pebble Beach in South Kona. The addition would resolve a long-standing conflict between collectors and community, according to the department. We feel that we've gotten a point of communication that the integrity and trust is its foundation uh, said a resident, it seems to me that now is the time to follow through and make something happen with these amendments and changes would certainly bode well for future fisheries.
0: Well, it seemed like you got a good start when they had over 200 people participate and then they had at least 35 people present their opinions. Mm-hmm. That's what they that's what they needed to do. Yes. Uh, you got to give them some options and you got to express your content or discontent.
1: Yeah, you have to and be involved
0: they still have until the 19th to put their comments forth so we'll probably have additional follow up to this.
1: Yeah, I anticipate that there will be some additional follow up and then they'll will make their ruling. Uh and I would say this in the show notes, but I'm so far behind on show notes by the time you probably get it, uh we'll be we'll be flying in in cars. But I I it seems to be people are very passionate on one side or the other.
0: I think I've noticed that in the politics also.
1: Well, it's, it's it seems to be, and and I don't know. I mean, I I've got some theories that I think that that's the way people who want to manipulate systems want it. They want you to be fighting over something like fishing, so that we don't get and work on the real issues. It's a distraction. I'm not saying that fishing or preservation, uh, preserving species or managing wildlife isn't important, but it, it's almost like there's an there's intentional conflict created just as a distraction.
0: All oh, well, you got to do is look at your webpage every time it opens up and you have Huffington Post. If that's not uh, worded, such, most of the articles to get your attention one way or the other. Nothing will be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next one is Warrington denies a request for scuba gear. So as we're speaking about being involved, here's another case of something that people want to be involved about. And I had to look up where they were at. So that is uh, Steubenville, Ohio, or somewhere around that. I'm sure everybody from Ohio, such as Dave in the chat room, is cringing. But Warrington denies a request for scuba gear. The city council nixed the purchase of scuba gear for the fire department on their Monday meeting, saying the money could better be spent in other ways. The measure was defeated by a 3-2 to two vote. Ward 7 councilmen and Ward 2's uh, uh, councilmen cast the only votes in favor the expenditure. Uh, Ward 6 and Ward 1 were not at the meeting. Wright defended the proposal, pointing out that no one had expressed opposition to the purchase and they discussed the bar- department heads at a budget workshop. So it sounds like they had put money in the budget for it. And now, when it came time to spend it, they, they nixed it. Said everybody was opposed to it. If everybody was opposed at the time, they should have killed it at the budget workshop. You are unmuted. Dr. Oh. Uh,
0: Livingston, I presume? <laughs> yes.
1: And this is an odd one. To to get a little technical, I have a redundant circuit power strip. And what it does is it pulls power from two separate circuits. And if either circuit goes bad or shuts off or trips, it runs power off the other one. And it's part of when you're designing data systems having no single point of failure, except for that was the failure. (laughs) So neither circuit trip. You need a new OR gate
0: there.
1: Yeah, it's and i've and i've I've run into this problem before in a data center, and they're very hard to tr- to troubleshoot because you have such confidence in what you design what you're putting in there to prevent this from happening shouldn't be and and where you would use this is a lot of times when you have a a server, it will have multiple power supplies in there by default and separate circuit, but sometimes when you go cheap and you've got a server or a piece of equipment that only has one power supply, you can't do that, so you use one of these devices, and that's what I have my router plugged in, and it tripped earlier today. When I got home, and it tripped just again, so I bypassed it. So I had to route about three or four switches. So we're back. Yay, team. Yeah. So, and then I, I think right we were at the point where I was mistakenly saying this town was in Ohio on the yes. Warrington. I think uh, somebody messaged me and said that they're in West Virginia.
0: I tried to look and I did not see where that was from.
1: Well, I found out where the paper was that reported it was in Ohio.
0: That's one nice thing about the viewers out there. They sure keep us on our toes. and Tell us when we screwed up.
1: Yeah. Weirton. 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 Or Weirton. Before, sometimes we do it on a purpose. It's, tell us.
2: W-I-E-R. So that would be Weirton.
1: Huh. Okay. So Weirton, West Virginia. So the gist of it is they put it in the budget. They went out, got a bid, and then they went to spend it, and then... They went, no. And, and and this sounds like it might be just a little bit of a technicality. You know, they had, not, they had quorum there for the meeting, but they didn't have everybody present. So it kind of changed the balance because it sounds like a few people were against the spending. When you look back into it a little bit farther, they had approved buying a boat, which they have. And now it came time to buy the scuba equipment because they're trying to be able to handle water rescue. So I have a feeling that this one's not done. But if you're in that area and you have an opinion on it, you might want to be involved. Nothing makes me mad about spending money than wasting it.
0: Well, if you've already spent a bunch of money and you've got less than 5 or 6% left to make it 100% functional, it seems like per economy not to do that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So it's just not national po- politics that people can't agree on. They can't agree local either. Yeah. And then back there in politics, and this this to me is almost a call to action.
0: Now, you know I'm going to ask you, where is this next place at? Because looking at the titles and the name of the lake and the county, it don't sound like it's around here.
1: I want to say it's Ireland.
0: <laughs> I would say that's good looking at some of the names. <laughs> I thought I saw a leprechaun in the so that I gave in my... <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, Donegal Democrat, and you probably have to roll your R's and make some guttural sounds, but uh, says the Council Poor cold water on diving at l- low salt. Following a recent diving at low salt to retrieve golf balls used by legendary golfer Tom Morris, who I have no idea who Tom Morris is. The, uh, he's a legendary golfer. He's a what? He's a legendary golfer. <laughs> okay.
0: Everybody knows that.
1: Sure. <laughs> so Donegal County Council issued a statement pointing out that the lake is uh, one of the main sources of drinking water and uh, Letterkenny and that any threat to the quality of the water is taken very seriously. In a statement issued Monday afternoon, the council commented, "Dongle County Council is extremely concerned about the recent reports in the media of diving activity in the waters of Low Salt County Donegal for recreational reasons, and in particular, retrieval of artifacts from the lake bottom. So golf balls are now artifacts. <laughs> Low salt is one of the main sources of drinking water, uh, they keep they keep saying that. The, the unique waters of long salt are very high quality and vital to the quality of the drinking water for the population. Any activity it could lead to the threat of the quality of this water is taken very... They said that again. Damn it. How many times are they going to repeat them? Yeah. So it's like they have four paragraphs of the same thing worded different ways. It should be also noted that long salt is a deep lake and diving the lake requires the use of specialized diving gear... Operated by divers trained and capable of using such equipment, the only situation that the council will consider in terms of granting permission to dive will be in relation to emergency contingency planning in order to develop a planned response for an accident which results in recovery operation from the waters of the lake. So, are they worried about people peeing in the water?
0: I was I was looking at the same thing. Any open body of water is by nature contaminated. You got runoffs. You got dirt. You got bugs. You got to have fish in that. I mean, look at, the, look at the picture. That's a nice-looking body of water.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: I, they, I, so would so
1: so they think that divers are out there putting something in beyond it?
0: That's what I'm trying to figure out. It's like, what is the concern for divers as opposed to boaters, boats, motors, you know, as they put it along the, you know, well, recreational. If, I, if I'm going to in the water, I
1: don't need to get in the diving gear and go down and do it. Just pour whatever in the surface, and you've done it. You just drive. The they probably even have to slow down. You could just have your car pull up to the side of it and spit something out. This is just. This is well. This is this is Europe, in my opinion, telling people what they can't do and can't do. It's there's 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 something else here. Why they they're afraid that there's a threat? And I'm
0: curious about the, the artifacts. Are what, what, it can't be golf balls.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, let, let's take for example where our drinking water comes from, Lake Michigan. So if we could drink Lake Michigan water, which is fed by rivers which everybody's used for their sewers, I am sure that their mountain lake can handle a few scuba divers swimming around in it. One would think so. <laughs> I don't know if I I should say that, Dave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll have to. The comment we won't say who it was, Dave. Uh, was that Irish divers must be really dirty.
0: Well, if they drink a lot of beer, they may pee more than we do.
1: Yeah.
2: Not if they use dry
1: suits.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, that's true. The only thing I can think of why they want to keep you out now that I think about it seriously is, you know, when you get those rainbows, what's at the end of the rainbow?
1: Ah, lucky charm. Maybe
0: they don't want to share that. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, it could be. Could be something there. And actually, at the end of the uh, article, we have some we have some idea what it what it could be as well. So, this next one is uh, this next one. I'm probably running these all out of order. So, if you got the notes, did you lose your diving equipment? <laughs> yeah, did you lose your diving equipment? Santa Cruz police have found some. Uh, they think it may have been stolen, but uh, they found it in the trash can. Diving equipment, including a vest, regulator, and fins, with a dive computer, were turned into the municipal wharf last week according to santa cruz police press release the items were apparently found in a trash can near the ocean and broadway and may have been stolen we are trying to locate the owner of these items if you are missing dive equipment please contact the scpd investigations to identify i was wondering if i could claim it
0: probably not they'd want to know a little bit about the gear like the serial numbers that you might have but you know i was thinking about that too who would do that one would be, you know, if if you saw part of the fin missing, like a shark bite, that might have freaked him out and he quit. I can understand that. <laughs> or it could have been it smelled like perfume, and the wife dumped the gear after she hurt the person who was wearing it, ah. because the diver is not going to toss it away. I mean, he knows he can hock it.
1: Yeah, but but the thing is, it's at the beach, isn't? It? Did I take it? Did I get it right? Municipal, yeah. municipal wharf. So it's it's down there at the waterfront. So it makes you wonder. But because uh, if if you're the the wife and you're throwing it away, are you going to go all the way down to the beach, or maybe you're hoping somebody would pick it up, kind of leaving it at the end of the driveway?
0: Yeah, and, you know, like a vest. Now I don't know if that means a BC or a vest. You know, and fins. Anybody can have that. That's you know, it'd be easy enough to um get rid of.
1: Yeah, dive computer. Oh, oh, man, I mean that's regulator fins, dive computer. So you've you've probably got two thousand dollars tied up there. Yeah, if it could was be. You know, hmm. but,
0: had to be stolen because nobody, no diver in their right mind or slightly off is going to toss that in the trash.
1: No, no I agree with you there.
0: But I'd have been calling the cops before they put an ad out.
1: Yeah. Well, now if you've, uh, somebody else has hoping that somebody will find their lost gear. This yeah. is the Navy. The Navy. <laughs> and, and, and this is surprising that it actually ever made it to the point of a press release. Navy group is searching for a missing unmanned underwater vehicle. The Navy Oceanographic Mine Warfare Center, based in uh, Stennis Space Center, Mississippi, lost control of one of its Remus-100 Unmanned Underwater Vehicles, or UUV, in the Gulf of Mexico near Panama City and Bitmore Beach in Florida during a training exercise. Uh, That was, looks like, last week, last Thursday night. They said it poses no danger or threat to the public or sea life. It is battery-powered, and the vehicle is programmed to follow an underwater search pattern using low-power sonar equipment looking for objects in the seafloor.
0: Darren, can I preempt you for a second? Sure. As opposed to looking for that, that's already been found, by the way. The Navy Dolphins did find that underwater surveillance device. And if you did find it, I'm sure they would have given you a reward. They cost about $250,000 each. Ooh. And not only that, they didn't lose one. They misplaced four of them. <laughs> <laughs> four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they had four of them on a, a mine hunting exercise in San Diego, and they sort of went on their own. Ooh. But it was quite interesting.
2: They just failed <laughs> <had> to return. <laughs>
0: It said, Indian mammals succeeded where computers fail. Navy divers retrieved the missing vehicles after a dolphin located it. The search for the other three vehicles have been called off, but it's still possible they may be found. If you find one, call. And if you do call, ask for a reward before you give your name and number and use a regular cell phone you can dump. just yeah. case.
1: Now, if you tell them that... Uh... The Chinese have already offered you a half million dollars. Do you think (laughs) that that will help you at all?
0: If you said 50, you'd probably be more like it. Wow. Yeah, 50 million? Well, I mean, I wonder what they're paying for uh, drones these days, especially top secret ones.
2: Oh, (laughs) yeah. I think we should just reprogram it for search patterns in Lake Michigan.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We won't offer you any money, but we'll name
1: a wreck after you.
0: I just sent you a picture of that new one, what it looked like, a different picture, and where I got that information, by the way,
1: just for reference. Good, good. I'll throw that into the show notes (laughs) when I get around to them. (laughs) I am so bad on that. It's like now that I haven't done it. uh, So uh, something else that's almost as good as finding something you lost, that's getting something you never had, 10,000 pounds.
0: That's pretty heavy, man.
1: That is, that's a pretty nice deal there. The Saltburn Scuba Divers win 1, 1, 10,000 pounds in the Sports England Lottery Grant. Uh, the let's see it's Saltburn Scuba Diving Club Cleveland Divers BSAC Branch 978, which does that mean there's more than 978 clubs?
0: Sounds like it.
1: And it has been awarded 10,000 pounds grant from the Sports England Lottery Fund. The funding will be used to buy new equipment, enable the club to keep pace in the incredible number of people from across the region looking to take up this sport. I hope that's true.
0: I'm (laughs) just a little curious about that, since that club, Branch 978, has 35 members. Now, our club suddenly got 10,000 pounds. I think we'd have one heck of a nice dive trip coming up this summer.
1: Dive trip, heck, 10,000 pounds. That could buy you a pretty serious dive boat, don't you think?
0: Uh, We could probably do pretty decent on a Zodiac.
1: Or you could even do a lease. You know, you could do a you know a, a lease for a few weeks a year. Do some things, suck or a sand,
0: or maybe just rent out a uh, state of the art side scan for two weeks.
1: Ooh, yeah. yeah, we do a bunch of that. But they're they're using it to buy gear. So this and another story makes me wonder: what what is the model for diving over there? Do you not have to buy your own gear? It says I think uh,
0: a lot of the clubs do have their you know club boats, club gear locker. Which sort of makes sense, because everybody can't dive at the same time. And if everybody's working towards that and putting their money and time towards maintaining, I don't know what their gear would be, but let's say 33% of their members, you basically had 100 members, you'd have gear for 25 or so. You could probably maintain your gear in pretty good shape.
2: Gee, we we could uh, have a club boat. Yeah. I know one that, you know, we could sell shares in. Yeah. Already
1: rigged for diving. <laughs> yep. The, the, their club has 35 divers of all levels, ages 16 through 74. Uh, they say they sp- support local school events and charity fundraising, such as the Saltburn Farmers Markets, Jim Maiden Boxing Day, Dip Memorial Fund. Boxing Day, that, that's not translating real well. Mac, how old is our oldest active diver?
0: I'm not sure who our most active diver is. You know, some people are getting pretty close to 70. (laughs) Uh, Well,
1: how how old was uh, Ed when he stopped diving?
0: Ed was over 70.
1: Yeah.
0: And he didn't stop on purpose. The The doctor told him to stop.
2: The order is good. Yeah.
0: I'm a lot closer to 70 than I am 65. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but what the heck? Yeah.
2: You're as young as you feel.
0: Absolutely. Sometimes they get you in trouble, though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So they, so they, they must have a different model. This next one is also about a British dive club. One a. We should
0: orient ourselves with that British dive club, maybe.
1: Yeah. Well, well can we? Could we do like proxy, where we have a branch? We'll be at the American branch. Yeah, we're well, the American branch of the BSAC. I have, have you ever looked at the,
0: uh, the, the dive system over in Europe and or England?
1: I know the BSAC is a big one over there, but I haven't in any detail.
0: Yeah, their, their levels of diving are, are really different than ours. They give a, It's a lot more serious over there from the aspect of dive masters, instructors, uh, your level of diving and what you're doing. Uh, I've not seen a lot of solo diving over there like we do over here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh they do have some serious serious diving over there.
1: Yeah. Well, we have Andy. Maybe we should have Andy come on and explain how it works. But this next club, the Fantastic Scuba Diving Club has been crowned the best in Britain following a worldwide competition. The not-for-profit club Octopus Divers has scooped a prestigious Heinke trophy following its efforts to further the interests of the members and the British Subaquatic Club organisation. The two the 20 strong Team of members aged between 14 and 67, so this is a little younger club. Were particularly praised by judges for their energy, enthusiasm, range of diving, social activities. It has its base in Askham Leisure Centre in Churchfield Road. Some of the group's most notable achievements, including productive partnership with Newcastle University, successful £5,000 grant application, and that was to the Coatfield Regeneration Trust for club kit and equipment for the organization of branch gathering and social events usually held at the Ann Arms in Sutton, as well as for such a prestigious trophy. club has also been awarded a 1,000 pounds.
0: I wonder what the criteria was for that. I think I'll save this link and look that up a little bit. I am very curious now. Hmm. Yep, Yep.
1: pretty nice. we
0: got some gung-ho people in our club. We ought to be able to do something like that. Yeah, I think so. I'm curious what this productive partnership with Newcastle University means.
1: It could mean anything. It could be ecological. It could be vigilante. <laughs> I don't know. But, I mean, good for them. It, it, it's nice to see this this press. But they, these clubs don't seem to be that big. Yeah, that's 20, 30 people.
0: And they're like us a little bit. They got young and the old, even though we're more old than young. <laughs> yeah.
1: I wonder what it costs over there to go diving. If the club's got your gear, and are the instructors volunteers?
0: Well, I will research that, and we'll have some information on that for you next week.
1: Yeah. yeah because maybe we need to change our model over here. to cover your ears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we have a Kiwi who is going to try for the deep diving record. This is free diving.
0: Is the same guy we talked about before? He's just doing a new one?
1: No, I think it's a different one. I mean, we've had probably four or five Uh throughout the last couple of years, so it's possibly talked about this one, but this is not the one who was in France, I don't believe. Well, maybe it is. Let's see. As soon as this article comes up, the bits are coming all the way from New Zealand. Yeah,
0: I know it's been a while. It's slow electrons on my end.
1: It's It's going through this little tiny pipe underneath the oceans around the world. Uh-oh, that doesn't help if I close the window. Been
0: sidetracked by, the, by those little cable bundles put there by different governments so they can see what's going on in the communications under the sea.
1: Well, that the monitoring and capturing it isn't tough. It's the rewriting it to what they want to say that takes a little bit of time.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: So the world champion New Zealand free diver narrowly missed the world record for the deepest dive says he wants to try another temp, William Trudbridge of Hawks Bay, blacked out during an attempt to world record matching 126 meters in the Bahamas last week. His attempt immediately followed Russian Alexei Malkanov, who had just set the record for the constant weight dive. There's a lot of celebration going on while I was trying to prepare. I just had to block out that mind as I made as much as possible. He said the first breath of air after the dive takes a few seconds to be absorbed in the blood and pumped in the brain. In that interval, your blood pressure is still dropping. I was just a little bit too far over the edge. Blacking out disqualifies his attempt. Despite nearly missing the record, he was crowned champion of the 2012 Sunto Vertical Blue Competition, where he broke the national record with a 121-meter dive in the constant weight category in Dean's Blue Hole in Long Island. There were 56 athletes from 21 countries participating in what is the largest freediving event of its kind, and Trudge Bridge dives to 121 meters was the penultimate of the day. You didn't think I could say that, did you? Well, if you're gonna
0: pass out, the best way to do it is on the surface, taking your first breath.
1: Yeah, so the, that's got to be heartbreaking because he made it up, and he was he did breathe, but yeah, I mean that just shows you how close to the edge that they've gotten. It's all conditioning now. I mean, that's the only thing you got to do is have your body in the best shape possible to use that air to not black out. That rules me out. <laughs>
0: Fifty-six athletes. Now that's they gotta have a lot of support people there for fifty-six people.
1: Yeah, he said he's going to try again.
0: I mean, can you imagine even just going down on your scuba, 121 meters?
1: No, I mean, okay, so let's let's visualize that. And This is in really clear water. So 126 meters. That's about
0: 163 feet.
1: It's about it's 300 and what 63?
0: Yeah, at least 363.
1: Okay, so 363 feet in clear water, that's, that's got to be black, right? Or fairly dark, I'm assuming? Not necessarily. I mean, just doing a
0: bounce, I mean, doing a bounce with your tank
1: yeah. would be a
0: hell of a challenge.
1: I mean, that's really what you're doing. You're doing a bounce, you just, you're not, I guess, I mean, you're, you're going to absorb some nitrogen, but you're not going to, not like we would on our way down.
0: Yeah, and you've got to be One. screaming going down. Yeah. I mean, you've really got to be moving. Is that the one where they hold on to the weights and use the sled to go down?
1: Well, he 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 had a couple he he done. He he did get the record for the weight assisted. He said without the use of fins, ropes, or eight or weights in 2010, he set the record. He's the first man to break 100 meters. But let's see, was this one? I think this one was weight assisted.
0: Well, my are off to anybody can hold their breath that, that freaking long and come up and still live. Oh yeah. I think you had 56 great guys out there in Dallas, for sure.
1: Well, this, this is one of those sports where probably if we look at the history of the records, what they're doing now as all the contestants, you know, like like what is the 56th worst living diver there who's at that competition? And the skills he has to be at now would probably break all the records from 5 to 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, it's not always the case? It seems that way.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, the same thing, look at any sport. Take running. You know, after World War II, you know, break, breaking the five-minute mile.
0: 4 and now that's
1: And yeah. now that's considered a minimum for a college yeah. athlete. So, yeah, amazing, absolutely amazing. And then we have, while we're talking about diving, we have Missy Franklin It's going to be in a movie. If you remember, she was a diving star from the London Olympics and uh, she she went diving with her family in Hawaii in 2010 loved it so much she wanted to get certified so now she's getting certified to be in a mo- upcoming movie called The Current she said oh my gosh i'm so excited i can't wait my dad has been a scuba diver his whole life and i've always want i've always watched him and my uncle go off on these amazing dive trips with all these incredible places and i've always wanted to do this last year miller produced a film about disabled individuals learning to ski called The Movement one of the characters was rich Uh, Finkelstein, a Hollywood executive who was paralyzed in a ski accident has been in 2004. The current picks up where the movement left off, showing Finkelstein and others learning to scuba dive. Others who will be in the film are Bethany Hamilton, who is from the movie Soul Surfer, Formula Racer Alex uh, Zandari or uh, let's see, uh, Zanadri. He was a double amputee from a race crash. Anthony Robles, an NCAA wrestling champion who was born with just one leg. Uh, because she's not disabled, Franklin's going to be the title of the athlete ambassador for the film and make a hero, Miller's nonprofit, that used the movement and will use the current to help disabled individuals get into sports and recreation. I think it's such an incredible movie concept, Franklin said. I can't believe we're actually going to go to Bimini and film this movie, which I think is going to be absolutely incredible. She also says when you're in the ocean and you're underwater 60 to 70 feet deep, everything else just doesn't matter. And that is so true.
0: Well, I think the common ones we have heard here and have talked to some of the people is Dive Heart. Yep. And Dive Heart has their UK chapter, and there's quite a few other ones out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, it's, he, it's a good
0: thing. It's a very good thing.
1: Yeah, it, it's definitely a good thing. And it's it's something that you know, just because you have a few disabilities doesn't mean you can't be out and be active. So,
0: right. Uh, you know but, the the sponsors of the Holland Dive? Do you know who I'm talking? Yeah. What's their name again? Uh,
1: what, uh, was it the store? We had Peggy.
0: Not, it's not Peggy, it's the one up, it's uh, not in Holland, it's off to the right of Holland. No, nope, that's over in Grand Rapids, that's north. <laughs> I, I sent that link to you guys the other day, my point being is one of their uh, activities is working with disabled divers, and uh, they had a call out to volunteers uh, yesterday, matter of fact. Uh, looking for people who might ha- have an interest in that in that locale.
1: Yeah, they've they've done uh, quite a few programs. They're they're fairly active in the dive heart.
0: Yeah,
1: Alabama might be a place we need to look at for doing some diving soon.
0: Alabama is a good
1: yes. Yeah? What's up there? They're getting ready to do their first artificial diving reef. They've got Sounds a Haitian cargo ship, Yokamu. And by the looks of it in the photos, you can tell it's seen some better days. Uh, Alabama does not have any artificial diving wreaths for diving, and they're hoping to change that with the Yokama, Kamu. So the freighter, which is 270 feet, is to be sunk about 20 miles off the coast of Alabama. They said it's ready except for some cleaning, and we've got to cut some holes in the hull so it will sink. Uh, let's see, Walter... Uh, David Walter says that uh, he likes to sink ships. He's done, about a, done it about a dozen times. And when his old girl goes down in Alabama water, she'll be the first of her kind. It's like pioneering side of things, not the settling side.
0: That's so, a good-sized-looking boat.
1: Yeah, he said, when I saw the big ship coming down the intercoastal, and I knew there was a chance to be on board, a brand-new industry. So uh, Mac McAllister put in $250,000 needed to fund the sinking. He also... That, which also gave him rights to the name of the reef, which he did. after He named it after his business partner, Lucy Buffett. It's going to be called the Lulu.
2: Any idea yeah. when they're
1: planning to sink it? I think and How deep? Well, they said 20 miles off the coast, but they don't in the article say how much. I've got another article. Let's see. Now, in the other article, they're talking about trying to get permission. So
0: let's well, you just take it out and it accidentally sinks. Does that count?
1: Well, this one, I don't think the accident's going to be too hard to happen.
0: That's what I meant, take it out on rough weather.
1: Oops. Yeah, they said it out. Now, so this related article, Alabama Committee is considering uh, the scuba diving attraction. Tur- tourism officials in southern Alabama are considering establishing a year-round scuba diving attraction.
0: What a novel idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you, you notice how it's a, the, the, almost the same article, but they spin it differently. Like, wow, they came up with this great idea, and it's going to have diving year-round focused on scuba diving. So they said they told the website that creating the attraction to the Gulf Coast would be a step forward to raise the area's profile among scuba diving communities. The Chamber and other local groups are nearly done raising $500,000 to sink a retired cargo ship and say creating the reef could mean big bucks for tourism. He says a study of the Gulf Front Area's Florida's panhandle found that every dollar invested in creating an artificial reef returned about $130 through tourism.
0: Now, I don't believe that, honestly, because yeah. if I could throw a dollar out and make $100 back, you're going to have people jumping on that bandwagon so much.
1: Well, if you remember, we did a study. Well, not we did a study. We covered a study where they were talking about the uh, springs in Florida. And that's where that number came up. And, you know, there's, you, you, you know, it's what the lies, damn lies and statistics. And it's yeah, all about yeah. how you slice it because, you know, you say returned for every dollar spent. You know, because it's, it, it, you can kind of say the same thing because return doesn't mean profit return just means that there's other money going around with it so if you you know you know the if a butterfly farts you know there's a lot of things that can be moved from that so so you, you, you it, it just depends on how you connect it because you you you, you 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 know some of the obvious stuff which i really think is what they need to, to quantify you know if i'm doing an roi for a business i break it out show details and at some point the president of the company looks at you and goes okay that's far enough. So you know you've got the you've got the site you've got the admission fee into the site you've got the food while they're down there the hotel the travel the gas but how much else do you go and do because to me you can only credit what is additionally spent that wouldn't be spent so but I'm I'm all for it so give me more things to dive on and I hope we get three or four of these around us here here we need Dave's dive shop to
2: donate the first two hundred fifty thousand dollars. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you said Dave's did? Great.
2: No, we need his, too. Oh,
1: well, I, I I heard that he had already committed to it, so we're sad. And then this one's at our neck of the woods. The MSRA, a Holland group, identifies a shipwreck in Grand Haven.
0: <coughs> <laughs> these these wrecks they're talking about have been there for years.
1: I don't think... You, you look where it is, so you have to look at the photo. Mm-hmm. And these... My grandfather, which we've talked about in the show before, owned a marina. And what a marina does is when somebody's there and they have a boat and the boat's getting old and the owner doesn't really want it anymore, it's not like, you know, especially these larger vessels that you take it to the the junkyard and they scrap it and turn it into a little cube. What they do with boats is they park it over to the part of the channel that they're no longer maintaining that they don't care if it silts in and the boat sits there. And for the next thirty years, everybody who goes and drives by sees the boat sitting there, listening to one side, rotting away. Yeah. So this is not a long missing, mysterious shipwreck. This is a boat that was parked that anybody under sixty years old hadn't seen before and had forgotten about. So not saying it's it, it's not good to because there's a lot to learn. You know, if you haven't dove and you want to see some elements of a wreck or how it's constructed, this is good. But if somebody goes and says that this wreck needs to be protected from vandals, then they're nuts. So in the article, it's uh, and this is due to low lake levels, which I didn't realize lake levels are that low, said it resulted in the exposure of at least five shipwreck hulks on the east edge of the Harbor Island in Grand Haven. And Grand Haven is where we go out of for when we dive the Ironsides. The MSRA, which is Michigan Shipwreck research associates out of Holland was called in to do the survey and identify the vessels in particular, the largest located on the east of a public ramp on the Island. That might be actually, well, uh, I'd have to, I'd have to look at it to pull the map to see. They said, uh, after the study of the Hullock's, uh, construction exposed propeller shaft cradle, the stern led him to dentif- initially conclude that the vessel is a large steamer, 40 feet wide, at least 165 feet in length through an additional amount of forward, to the bow end appeared buried. So and then they have a grand even article. I didn't even see that before. This newspaper's website's not the best.
0: Now the next one's even better though. What's that? The airplane.
1: Oh the airplane, yes. Yeah, that was very interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean one you got a history, one you got a visual, one you got something you can do something with. Like you said, the other one's been there sixty years. Everybody knows it. What's the hoopla? Hey, we got two right down here in St. Joe. If you want to go look for a wreck, you know, you know what I'm talking about, Jim, don't you? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. you used to have a truck down there, the motorcycle. But a wildcat, that would be interesting.
1: Yep. Nearly 100 people watched as crews pulled out a World War II fighter from Waukegan Harbor this morning. The first lead of a journey that led it, will lead it to the Glenview Naval Museum. It's a pretty inspiring thing, said Charles Greenhill, a 78-year-old pilot from Metawa, who paid for the recovery. You think you get used to it, but you don't. The plane will be shipped to Greenhill's hangar in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and from there will be transported to the National Museum of Naval Aviation Aviation in Pensacola, Florida, where a full restoration will take up to five years. A local group hopes to make the plane permanent home in a proposed museum on the site of the former Naval Air Station in Glenview. It's better than I thought uh, Greenhill said as he watched a plane emerge from the water. It was an FM-2 Wildcat that had been used during World War II to train pilots for landing on aircraft carriers. It rolled off the converted steamship in December 28, 1944, and sank about 45 miles southeast of Waukegan after the engine failed during its third takeoff. The pilot, William Ed Forbes, was rescued and finished his training. Uh, he later passed on in 2008 at age 85. Crews from A and T recovery of Chicago began towing the Wildcat underwater on Sunday, getting it to a Keegan Harbor on Tuesday. They decided to wait until Pearl Harbor Day to pull it up out of the water. So.
0: I'm surprised they didn't take the opportunity to identify the aircraft carriers instead of calling them converted steamship.
1: That that meant somebody had to do a little bit of work. <laughs> yeah, because we we know what they are, don't don't we?
0: Well, I'm having a senior moment. Otherwise, I'd tell you the name of both of them. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, we've talked about them before. Yes. But uh, some excellent photos, and, it, and the plane doesn't look—it—it's. It, could you believe that had been in the water for sixty plus years?
0: Well, if it had been in salt water, it would have looked a hell of a lot different.
1: Yeah, it would have looked like a brick.
0: That's for sure.
1: Yeah, and they're go, they're hoping to do a full restoration. So are they going to leave the props bent on that? Bent? No. Mm-mm. But to me, that's a little bit of the character. I mean, I'd like them to, to clean it up, but leave everything kind of mangled.
0: They generally don't do that.
1: Because <laughs> to me, that tells more of a story. I mean, if you just get it to where it looks mint condition. Now, is this, are, there, are there not many examples of this particular aircraft around?
0: Probably not of that vintage.
1: So oh, in that case, I could see they're completely restoring it.
0: Plus, it does have a little historical significance associated with the maritime of Lake Michigan.
1: Oh, certainly. Yeah, you don't associate Lake Michigan with aircraft carriers that often. No. Not normally, not unless you know the history. Mm -hmm. And if for some reason they don't want to get it all redone, you know, they could just think that one of the preserves would be okay.
0: I don't think they could afford the money for (laughs) preservation or just maintenance. That's a lot of money there. Yeah, that is. So
1: that does it for scuba the news. And so we have some potentially cool scuba gear. Some, somebody who, uh, one of the listeners to the podcast actually did a Kickstarter project, the dive, Duino, if I'm pronouncing it right. So he has a Kickstarter project, which has just a little less than 24 hours to go. If you're listening live, probably by the time you you hear this, it will be quite a bit gone, but, uh, they need to raise $1,000 in the Kickstarter, and they've got to 424 with 12 hours to go. But they do have 12 backers. And as I look through this, I think I figured out why he cannot. And, and so you're wondering what he wants. It's a dive logging computer. Uh, he's got a, a case and a circuit board, and uh, you're able to, I think you're able just to, it, it will it'll log your depth and temperature during your dive and convert it into a text file. So some, some pretty good stuff. That he was doing. Uh, but what, what he's doing is if you're not familiar with Kickstarter, you come up with a design and then you have a goal. People donate to it or contribute to it. And in return, they get certain things. And if you reach that goal, then everybody gets charged. If not, then nobody gets charged. So it looks like he's a little short. Now, it hasn't quite made halfway. But when you look at what he's letting you do. So for $1, of which he has five backers, uh, your name shows a contributor on the web page. For $5, he has two backers, which gets you a 5x7 2013 calendar, the random picture taken uh, by him on one of his diving adventures. You do $25 or more, he has three backers with uh, 17 more that are eligible, and that's the board only where you buy the components. And then if you do 150 or more, you would get the components assembled uh, or just ready to solder. And he sold out of that, but he only had two of them. So if you look at the way he's got it set up, he had to ha- he basically had to have the sell out of his top two plans to even meet reach his goal. So unfortunately, I don't think he set this up right. He had his goal either too high, or he needed to have more of the packages that people would have done. Because I think if he had opened up that $150 package more, he'd have probably met his amount. So still 22 hours we we hope you make it but it's looking kind of iffy. So. But here's uh actually the really ideal uh potentially cool diving accessory and it's a scuba diving gnome just in time for Christmas. <laughs> so the uh, it's a gnome that goes where no gnome has gone before underwater. Actually it's it's not the gnomes have gone there before we just covered that in articles as well. So, yeah, I I think that every Quarry, and every dive spot should have one of these gnomes.
2: Yeah, I was thinking I could just see this, you know, being someplace in Gilboa.
1: Yeah, well, do you do it in Gilboa or White Star? White Star, or they just miraculously show up in some large body of water off the shoreline, like a security device. So for fifty-four ninety-five, you can get your concrete scuba diving gnome. He's eleven inches tall. So very cool. And then video of the week. But you could almost call this potentially cool scuba gear as well. This is uh, an automatic seat belt release seatbelt seat belt release that frees you if you end up underwater. If your vehicle ends up underwater in a freak accident it will make es- that, that can make escape difficult a Dutch company has developed a simple seatbelt adapter that automatically releases in the presence of water. It uses a pressurized cartridge similar to found inflatable life vests, but it's being used to automatically activate the release mechanism on the seatbelt. They said that simply spilling coffee or a Slurpee on yourself will not trip it. It has to be underwater. They said for safety's sake, the cartridge needs to be replaced every two years and ensure it's still good working condition. Oh I th- no! I think I'm just gonna plan on pressing the button. So that does it for Scooping the News this week. So the catch-up with Mac. Mac, you got you had some diving in on the Turkey dive.
0: Well, the only side news, real quick, is Sable and the Wolverine are the name of the aircraft carriers on Lake Michigan.
1: Sable and, <clears throat>
0: and
1: the Wolverine. Now, is that their original name, or do they get a new name when they got repurposed?
0: That was the name of the aircraft carriers. Basically, they did take steamships took down the superstructure, laid down wooden planks, had a little bit of an island off to the right, and that's what they used.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, they had them there for about three and a half years. There was over 256 known aircraft that went into the drink in that area, meaning within 100 miles of that area. And there have been several uh, concentrated efforts to locate aircraft. What they normally do is like to find at least 10 before they start bringing anything up, and you don't hear about the other eight. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you usually find the one, and then later they'll bring up the other ones, and they all do belong to the Navy. If you bring it up and you didn't get their permission, they will come home to your home and take it and take all your dive gear with them. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Navy does not give up its claim.
1: Well, and then we're also in Lake Michigan, which now has said that anything underwater is theirs, so.
0: Yeah, I've, I've got some interesting pictures of one that's got a, the guy who didn't get out. Yeah, But there are some neat things out there. But other than that, other than the turkey dive, you're right, I did get in and get some, some water time after a long dry spell.
1: Yeah. Now, now um, that was a, a new wetsuit you had then, wasn't it?
0: That was a new dry suit. Dry suit? I, I know I said the bad words, dry suit.
1: I just, they just, the words don't go together.
0: I know it, it, but it was one of those items I was looking for a new wet wetsuit, but I did compromise. It is, it is made of neoprene.
1: So you couldn't get away from the neoprene altogether.
0: Well, the price was just right for a brand new suit. It's one of those, well, if you're going to make me pay as much for a dry suit as a wetsuit, I'll think I'll take it dry.
1: Because yeah. if it leaks,
0: <laughs> hey, I'm no worse off.
1: Yeah, <laughs> It may eventually be a wetsuit, but it's going to start off dry. Yes. So. At
0: least you get me through the winter.
1: Now, did you feel warmer in it than in a wetsuit?
0: It was very nice to be able to take the suit off and say, damn, <laughs> the wind doesn't freeze my butt. Yeah. Now, I'm going to have a little trouble with the feet because it doesn't have the booties like I'm used to. The hard sole, it's more of a thick neoprene, so I got um, a deck shoe that fits mm-hmm. both of those. and gives me some um, extra strength on the bottom. So I've just got to play with my fins just a little bit to give me a little bigger boot for my fin, and I'm ready to roll.
1: Nice. Oh yeah.
0: Like this weekend. I can't go to sixteen on Saturday, but uh hey, anybody going out Sunday?
1: Hmm, Sunday? Yeah. yeah.
0: Sunday Sunday. Hey. Oh, so there, River. So now when Niles you say
1: Lake River. Sixteen, was, were they planning on Lake Sixteen Saturday?
0: Yeah, there was a, a little thing on Facebook, uh on uh, and on I think the mud site too. Somebody's looking to go diving on Lake Sixteen uh, this weekend. Okay. They wanted to go at ten o'clock and a couple of people can't make the ten.
1: You know, I, well, I did uh well, we, we can talk about uh, the dive that I did. We did Gull Lake, and there's a part of Gull Lake on the south end of the lake, and it's like south, it's south, it's about as south as you can go in that lake, and it's very marina built up there. And yeah, in that's, the summer, you that's just what can't. They used
0: to do the turkey dive, by the way.
1: Is that right there?
0: Yeah, that's, they used to do the turkey dive for many years there, and you're right. It gets dark and deep really quick, lots of boat traffic during the summer, and that's why you got to do it when you just did.
1: Yeah. Now you said dark indeed. We had over thirty feet visibility.
0: You didn't have fifty divers in the water at the same time.
1: <laughs> well, no, fifty divers in the water. We'd have had. It would have yeah. been dark in two feet. Yes, it was. Because it is incredibly mucky. We went in there at the boat ramp, kind of off on the side. Yeah. And the the fins. I have brand new fins that I was putting in the water. And about my third step in, I nearly lost them already. So yeah, and, and it's shallow a long way out. I'm, I hate a surface swim and that was a long surface swim to get out more than like 16. How was the weeds? None. Yeah, there was, uh, we, we went in there at the side. There's a, kind of a hair salon and a computer store. <laughs> nice combination. Uh, right next to each other and there's a marina. And we went in, we walked down the boat ramp and the diver we went with and I apologize if he's listening and I don't know his name but it was either Mark or Michael. So it Kirk, myself, or Matt, I think for some reason it was Matt, uh, but he's a public safety diver, and he and Bob sounds like they've dove this uh, a few times in the past, and he was going to be our guide. So we went out, and just like it was designed, we we went over two boats, and the the boats were real close to each other, and then they was a uh, like a metal rolling frame. It had four wheels on it, and made a cast iron pipe that was between them. And the one boat looked like an old crisscraft craft type of boat, uh, wooden-sided. And, uh, How deep were you? We we were remarkably deep. Our, our max depth was well over 54 feet.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: and it was light. You did not need a dive light. It, w- it was bright. Um, I would say the, the boat was maybe 22 feet there. Um, you know, no engine in it. So now that you're saying that the turkey dive was there, that kind of makes sense. I bet that these two, because they were all... Like in one spot, all in the line.
0: they are in the deep, in the V part.
1: I I I was following, so I'm. You know, even though I was trying to keep track, of course, because being a wetsuit diver with everybody else being dry, I was anticipating I was going to have to bail out early and head up warm.
0: Uh, I have no clue how you dove with that wetsuit ripped the way it is.
1: Oh, that's that's just that's ventilation. That's temperature sensing. <laughs> yeah, ventilation, my whatever. So so we went and did that one. And then we kept going, and the I guess the real shipwreck that we were looking for was a, uh, I would say, about a 26, 27-foot steam-powered launch. Remarkably narrow, like maybe four foot wide. But, Not uh, very deep. What's that? Not very deep either, are they? That was... Uh, um, I'm gonna say that that one wasn't quite as deep as the other two. I meant the freeboard on it. Oh no, there was no yeah. there was like no freeboard. Right. That had a uh, it it had a nice keel on it, and then at the towards the stern, the keel came up to a metal framework where there was a like a prop guard. The Slightly. the prop had long been off. It looks like they're, they're um, just
2: like overgrown canoes.
1: Exactly, that's what it looked like. I'm thinking, man. And then uh, Bob got to one point. He he put his, uh, I don't know what you call it, laser in the end there, and he said he could see the motor, the steam engine up underneath. You mean his uh, underwater sun? Yeah, underwater sun.
0: That'd be cool to blaze that boiler down there. I wonder if you could bring it up.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's, it flipped. So I'm, I'm thinking that's probably what happened. It just capsized and went right to the bottom. It's a little top-heavy. but So that was there, and then we, we came back. And then the the, the come to find out, Nobody had ever seen those other two boats in that cradle before. <laughs> and we went right over the center of it. You know, it wasn't kind of like it was at the side and we said, Hey, what's this? Uh, we also came across maybe five, six stumps. And I would say all the stumps weren't naturally occurring there. They had been dragged out. There were cables on them and they had been dropped out there. Uh, there's probably three or four old style buckets. You know, the bottoms rusted out. Um, uh, there was a glass A&W bottle and then a lot of tin cans. I mean, I say a lot, maybe 15. But with diving in a, a wetsuit, and the water temperature was about 39, so I wasn't going to be holding on to a catch bag unless I found something really good. I did get the required golf ball, so it was an official dive. Excellent. And then when, when we got out of the water, a, a lady pulled up. No, before we got in, actually, a lady pulled up and said that she had lost her purse and would we look for it? So, yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah. so after the dive, uh, Mike or Matt, whatever his name is, darn it. I'm going to have to find out. I feel bad now. Uh, went to where she said it was and they were, it was, uh, a boat dock. And what she had done is she was going from the dock into the boat and somebody pushed the boat apart just as she was stepping in and she got, she lost her balance and dropped the purse. And that's probably in about six, seven feet of water there. And that was in March and we were looking for it. and uh, we he he in the dry suit was looking for it so he ran out of air, but he didn't find it. So he's gonna go back. But there were weeds there, Mac. But uh, you know, like how we had weeds up when we were in the by the Grand River. Yeah. The weeds were even less than that. There was hardly any. So you really? could just see there are weeds laying on the bottom, but there's hardly, hardly anything. And the water is clear. You know, if you're not get you know, if you if you dive in Michigan. You definitely, I mean, if, you, if you're afraid of cold water, get a dry suit. you got to get in the water. This is, it is clear. I cannot believe how clear
2: it is. Yeah, when the boat stops running and the gets cold enough that the algae dies off. Man. You know, it's like, like ice diving.
1: Yeah. You know? and
2: when you get that ice cover on there and there's no wind action, it's unbelievable how these inland lakes can clear up.
1: Yeah, everything just drops right out, settles right to the bottom. It was unbelievable. Because the we had more, I call it vertical vis. Because before, when we were coming up for the safety stop, there was I was at about twenty eight feet, and you could see the the waves at the surface. It, it reminded me of just I, I mean it's probably one of the clearest non ice dives I've done in one of these inland lakes. Really, I nice. got to get
2: this get my sinus infection cleared up and get wet.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was an... An excellent dive, and it was a spot I hadn't been before, so we did that drive. Now, you mentioned Lake 16, and, you know, in the middle of the winter to go drive all that way, <laughs> well, I don't say middle winter, beginning of winter, so I would like to find something a little closer. So you think about doing a river dive, Mac?
0: Yeah, I'm going to go down to Niles. Uh-huh. If I have to, I'll have uh, Jake be my tender, or surfer support, anyway.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I might, I might be interested in that. <laughs>
0: Well, I'll talk to you Saturday for sure, and then
1: we can find out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you're thinking Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Sunday, might that might work. Yeah, and then I've got uh, some time off. I'm going to be taking off, like, the week before Christmas. I'm going to take Thursday and Friday off. Then I'll be off all Christmas, and then have New Year's Eve off, and then go back to work on the second, so.
0: Well, don't forget the Holland
1: Dive. The Holland Dive I may. I, I, I don't know. I've got friends coming into town. Which, which is typical, the daughter's birthday on the eve, and then friends in, and I'll just have to, to see how that goes. I mean, I've I've abandoned them before, <laughs> but we'll just have to see. So that's going to be one of those I'm probably not going to know much more than a couple days beforehand if I can swing it. But, yeah, it, you got to be diving. Nowhere, no matter where you're at, you to got to get out and get diving. And I've, I've got to get a dry suit one way or another. So, or at
0: least a dry wetsuit.
1: <laughs> a dry wetsuit. So, so as always, if you want to check us, check out, check us, check off, uh, check out our website. We're at www. On Facebook, we're facebook.com forward slash scubabesst. We love those five star reviews. So if you get a chance, head on over to to the iTunes page and subscribe. We also have some listeners on uh, Stitcher. Stitcher's taken off pretty well. So uh, we still like to hear about how where you hear about us, so drop us a line. You can send us an email at uh, obsessed, The Show at com, and that will get to us. We had Dennis via Facebook said he enjoys, he's enjoying the podcast for about six months in, uh, let's see, Chicota, Oklahoma. I listened to you on Stitcher. Keep up the good work. So thank you, Dennis. We enjoy having you listen to the show. And then we also have Lacey, he says, I'm a longtime listener and dive master in Hawaii, so I can't make the chat room, but I never miss an episode. I've been listening to you since early the first year. Great show. Keep it up. I don't know if I'm a better diver, but I'm certainly better informed. I'd like to think that that makes me a better diver. Thanks for the show. So <laughs> we, we never claim that we would educate you, but uh, hopefully we're at least interesting. So thank you, Lacey, for listening. So keep those coming. Let us know what you like. Uh, we're going to probably do a little bit of editing on the format. Maybe try and get a little bit fancier here after the first of the year. So, you know, provided I got some free time that week, we'll get some things done. also going to be updating some websites. I've been a little neglectful on the notes. and That's because I've only got enough bandwidth to work on one thing at a time, and work's been crazy, and I want to get some things going. If you would like to help out with the show, drop me a line. I've got some roles for people to do. We could use some moderators and people do some editing. I have the show notes, so I think what I'd like to do is have somebody go and take those show notes and get them pre-formatted. And then as I'm doing the editing of the show, they get posted up. So I could show somebody to do that if they wanted to help out that way. So always looking for people to help out, like feedback. Also, if you listen to our show and you like it, then you're out. Then make sure you hit Diver Sync. Uh, Rich Sinewick does that one. That's a weekly podcast. It ends up being on Tuesdays, but uh, maybe not always. So make sure you check his times. And then, uh, Jim, you still looking for photos of uh, the wrecks in the preserve?
2: Yes, we are. Uh, we're trying to put a mosaic together that we can use for presentation. Uh, we'll be happy to give credit to anyone who provides photos of wrecks in the Southwest Michigan Underwater Preserve. And we would greatly appreciate photos or video if you've got video. And you can find us at
1: com. Excellent. So, Matt, do you have anything to plug before we get going?
0: Uh other than the Holland Dive, but the next uh, broadcast I'll be giving the dates for our world underwater. Uh, we will have the the date will be it has already been established for the uh landing trip for the diver showcase. And same thing for door county not door county, but uh co ships. That's already scheduled. So I'll be putting those out next time I talk to you. Excellent.
1: Okay. So it's never too late or too early. It's too early to plan. Yep. Yeah. Uh oh, we got we, did we lose Jim? I'll try and hold on. He, he he knew it was that time of the show again. He knew the joke was coming up.
0: <laughs> I forgot. Oh.
1: Yeah. Not. Nah. He, he knew. Well, and while, while we're waiting for that, I'd like to thank everybody who showed up for the chat room. We had quite a bit of good turnout. We had uh, Mitch and Jeff and Chris, Steve, uh, of course, almost every week. Uh, Dave Tonneman, glad to have you here. And then we had Mark from California, who's telling me to get a dry suit. Which you're not going to get me to... You're not going to get me to disagree on that. I am ready. I almost didn't go diving. I think that's the first time I can say that ever because it was cold. I just did not want to. And and they're, they're making fun of my wetsuit, but it is pretty sad. I have a hole in the left thigh that is about I don't know. You you can fit two golf balls side by side through it. So it's a pretty sad situation.
0: I wouldn't use your suit in the summer. <laughs> that's how how Ben's.
1: It is bad. And I, the I don't know isn't.
0: how to 39-degree water in that suit. <laughs> I keep and thinking I'm going to bring a, a can, a big bucket, a gallon <laughs> or two of dip it. I'm going to have you get your suit on, then I'm going to paint the rest of it around your neck. Otherwise, it just makes me cold watching you get yeah. in the water.
1: So, so how long do you think the dive was I did in 39 degrees?
0: Well, if you let the, the, the dip it cure... In the little shed for a little bit, you probably get to the dive. It'll be really, it'll be a good video watching you take it
1: off, though. <laughs> well, uh, my my uh, my dive on Sunday was thirty five minutes and thirty nine. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> I don't either, and I was dreading it. And the like I said, the the hole in the thigh isn't the bad part. It's that all around the neck, yeah, is just completely shredded. They've got that insulation, you know, and you get the Velcro, and that is just completely disintegrated. It, and it's 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 not even patchable. So yeah, it, it is it is pretty bad. And I don't mind telling you, I was freezing when I got up because yeah, you're diving in a group, and I didn't. You know, I already told them I was probably going to bail on them before we got all the way through it. But by the time I, it's it's one thing when you're not leading. It's it's also means you might not know your way back. So <laughs> that's what the surface is for. Yeah, I I didn't want to do the swim of shame and. uh, and we had a long surface swim anyway. They they came up. Well, w- what we did after we got on the last wreck is we pretty much came straight up because we wanted to get a spot because we spent you know 20 minutes of that dive finding the wreck. <laughs> so we pretty much came right up from the wreck to get a good visual of where it was at. So, so Jim, you, you couldn't escape the joke then? No. I'm
2: glad you got me back in. <laughs> I actually, since, since we didn't have a, a podcast last week, Mm-hmm. I do have an extra joke we can
1: use if you want to do two tonight. Is, is that the one that you you uh, sent me?
2: No, no. I figured we'd save that for whenever you want to use it. This is a different one, a okay. real short one.
1: Yeah, we'll go ahead and let you do that one.
2: Okay, you're ready for it? Yep. It's that time?
1: Yeah, it sure is. Never everybody, ready. We're, we're willing to listen.
2: Everybody is mentally prepared. Yeah, I'm going to have to open
1: another, another beverage, though.
2: Okay. Well, I happen to have a doctor's appointment this week. And when I was there, they were rushing a patient out of the doctor's office into an ambulance, taking him to the hospital. And I said, Doc, you got to tell me what's up with him. He said, well, this gentleman came in with four toy horses uh, impacted up his rectum. I thought about it for a minute, and I said, oh, man, Doc, that's terrible. How is he? The doctor said, stable.
1: Silence is deafening.
0: Oh,
2: I,
1: I don't know if I can go on. <laughs> Hi, this is the sea calling. When the last time you visited me? <laughs> what was <is> that? <laughs> is that like a, like a safety, a, a mercy call? <laughs> it's like you, you you have one of those apps where you like pre-program that and they, that gets you out of stuff that you don't want to be at? Uh. Okay. Okay. So next, so we'll go ahead and do this next one here. Uh, it's uh, not so much of a joke as a story. And uh, it was at this time of year when the uh, road roadblocks come up with great regularity, I would like to share a personal experience uh, with a close friend about drinking and driving. As you well know, some diver friends of mine have been known to have a uh, few brushes with the authorities on their way home from an occasional post-dive rehydration session over the years. A couple of nights ago... Um, I was out for an evening with friends and had a few cocktails, knowing full well that uh, I was mostly sober but I'll, that, and that I was probably pretty close to the limit. I did something I've never done before. I put all my friends and I into a cab and took a cab home. Sure enough, we passed a police roadblock, but since I was in a cab, obviously full of drunks in the back, the driver just waved and the police let it go right on through. I arrived home safely without incident which was a real surprise, as I've never driven a cab before, and I'm not sure what I've got to do with it now that I've got it home.
2: (laughs) I like that.
0: I do, too. That's pretty good.
1: So, once again, we, we appreciate everybody listening. And uh, until next time, go out there and get wet.
0: And stay safe.
2: And remember, no farting butterflies were harmed in the making of tonight's show. I like your butterfly farts line.
0: <laughs> Definitely different. I don't think I've heard that on television any time
1: today. Well, we, we've got that higher standard, editorial standard, for, uh, for our, our, our programming. We have yeah. a standard? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> it's so low you've never seen it. You haven't been that deep.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're divers. We start just go deeper.